Let's now turn to the reading of God's word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything in their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And now Micah 7. Put no trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt, the daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law, a man's enemies, are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And Matthew 10. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have come to bring, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the word of the Lord. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, as we continue in our sermon series on loving your neighbor, um, today we will look, I'm going to say, in short order, because as you can tell, there's a lot of scriptures here, and you can do a sermon series on each one of these groups of scriptures. So um, I'm sorry to frustrate you theologians out there, or you people who want to go a lot deeper than what I'm going to go today. But um, we are going to definitely go as far as I think we can and should to grasp this idea of loving your neighbor by loving your family, your neighbor. (laughs) Loving your family. One of my favorite non-church songs on family is by neo-soul singer Jill Scott. And it just embodies family and love for family just with the chorus that says, what can you say? It's family. And she goes on and says, We at the family reunion telling jokes and playing spades. Uncle Dave is on the barbecue grill. Grandma bragging about the blanket she made for the new baby on her way. Even though the daddy ain't really ready, 
this child is coming anyway. Nisi made her famous potato salad. Somehow it turns out green. Maybe it's all the scallions, could be the celery, but old Uncle Jerome loves it. Hey, here comes my favorite, my favorite cousin. He says he's doing fine, taking it one step a day, but in my heart, I know it ain't that way. What can you say? His family. Aunt Juicy been drinking again. Oh, it's only 1.30 in the afternoon. Everybody's tiptoeing around her. We all know she's going to be toe up soon. Saying all the things we would like to say. Hope she gets around the cousin Lonnie because we all know he got a little extra somebody on the side. What can you say? His family. Oh, no. Mickey and Steven are fighting again. Move out of the way. Somebody might get hurt. Oh, look at that. What happened is worse. They knocked over Helnora's lemon cake. That line hurts me the worst. <laughs> you know the one she barely ever makes? Even getting, I'm getting riled up. I want them to go. But somebody turned Frankie Beverly on the stereo. Cousin Ruby starts rocking, shaking her good hip and bottom. So we all fall into place, smiling and laughing. What can you say? This family. For many of you, this picture of family rings true. Joy and pain, light, darkness, life bringing and destructive. Family and its relationships are very complicated and, and multifaceted, and, 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 the, and, and the love in them can make an awesome lemon cake and knock it on the ground at the same time, right? Well, let me offer you this today. It will not be a Frankie Beverly song that will make us sway, shift, and laugh and love together as a family in our up and down relationships with each other, but rather the song of redemption. As Jesus leads the family union and where necessary, family reunion. It is his love as our supernatural family member that calls us to love our family by respecting family's place and role. Secondly, by recognizing family's limitations and failures. And finally, by realizing our family's need of God's heavenly intervention. What is clear from the whole Bible is that from beginning to end, God describes his relationship between him and believers and believers and each other and and God the Father and God the Son in terms of family. Family is a redeemed and and heaven reality that, that, guess what, was before we humans came to be. It came right out of God's own relationship in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So these roles and and institutions we see enumerated in our scripture reading and passages this morning, husband and wife and children and mother and brother and sister, in these verses, whether marriage and and family uh, are institutions that God himself set up as a reflection of him and his relating. So when you enter into a marriage, 
You don't enter into a man-made institution, but something God invented and called us to respect. And the other relationships are obviously God's doing and design. Because while we may feel like we choose who we marry or befriend, you cannot and did not choose what family you would be born into. And even who your in-laws would end up being beyond your marriage. That is why in Micah and the Matthew texts, which are pretty rough sounding, it says you can't even trust the one in your arms. That would be your wife, of course, right? And then it talks about hatred between brothers and sisters and all kinds of problems. There's this unspoken gasp, right? And drama when these relationships are spoken of as being broken apart. It just seems wrong to not live and love as family with your family because God gave you and put you in a family on purpose for his purposes. Look with me at verses 22 and 33 in our Ephesians 5 text. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives, their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Remember, I'm not doing a marriage seminar here. We could go a long time into this one. But what I want you to see is it's very clear that God uses the institution of marriage and the roles wives and husbands play to mediate and channel what? His love, his grace, his sanctification, his dignity giving, his gospel, his ministry to us. But I want you to recognize, and what I want you to recognize, is that marriage is but one of a number of family relationships God uses to minister the gospel through and to us. Look with me at verses 1 and 2 in the next chapter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word honor here, when it says honor your mother and father, it means to give weight and importance to that relationship in your life. Why? Because you and I as children are called to obey. That word means to give ear to, to listen to, to follow, to trust the word of your parents. For what reason? So what? Verse 3, which means this, so that you can get and enjoy God's inherited blessings through your parents. 
So this verse 4 says, so that you can know the Lord in his ways. That your primary relationship with God comes, that your relationship with God primarily and should come and begin and develop initially through the ministry of parents being parents to their children, but also children being godly children to their parents by honoring, obeying, and listening. By giving parents primary sway in their lives for the Lord's work and ministry. And then we consider the brother and sister relationship. It is a lateral care and concern and submission and upholding and walking through life hand in hand and shoulder to shoulder. God has given us the real family circle. Not a comic strip, but, but the relative, interactive, special, intertwined of what should be an unbroken circle of love as each relative does their role and, and part out of obedience to God. The love of God flows and is received and given. And so, let me put it this way. In your ministry called family. In your ministry called family as father, son, daughter, mother, aunt, grandma, love your family. Do what God has called you a spouse, child, sister, brother, parent, aunt, or uncle. Do do you know what being a relative in right role means? It means that you've been given the green light. It means that you've been given a go-ahead by God. It means that you've been given a clear right, an avenue, a freedom to express God's grace. God is going to use you to give his grace and forgiveness and care and protection. It means to understand and give comfort and security and mercy and fellowship and joy and gifts to those related to you. You have the opportunity to participate in that by God's calling. Nothing is like family. And though it is completely true that God gives and has given family, the power and right and freedom to love like no one else and no other institution, it is not. It has not been easy or that easy for many of us, has it? When you start talking about family, there's a lot of smiles and there's a lot of tears. Heck, as a matter of fact, family and family love has been everything but easy and free and right and loving in some of your experiences. It's been angering and hurtful and painful and grinding and demeaning and degrading and just plain discouraging. What we must also see here is that part of loving your family and moving toward loving your family, your neighbor, is recognizing family's limitations and failures. Look with me at the Micah passage once again. We'll read it, verses 5 through 7. It says, put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth. Again, this is referring to a wife from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And man's enemies are the men of his own 
household. And without rereading it in our Ephesians text, as with this Micah passage, we see this again. I'm, I'm going to emphasize this interconnected and interdependent circle of relationships of love to, to love given by God through people. But when sin is a part of that, sin meaning doing what you doing what you doing contrary to what God has called you to do, not loving in the way Scripture calls you to do, right? When sin is a part of that, what Micah says is true. You just can't trust or look to family to love you, and they should not be looking for you to love them either. Because they're just so terrible. They're so untrustworthy. With the love you give, with the submission you've given, with the ways you've entrusted them. What these scriptures are teaching is that the family connections that were put in place to help us love our family and love through our families have become a way for destructive patterns to thrive. For bad stuff to go from person to person and block and impede and discourage your desire to love and honor and submit. Unfortunately, family is a place in the way many of you have been hurt and harmed and deceived the most. Or maybe someone has broken that circle. And their promise and duty to love by not being there or being there but not like they should be. Look with me again at verse 1 in chapter 6 of Ephesians, and I'm going to emphasize this again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That word, oh, nope, got to keep going. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land, verse 3. Then four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. These are some really interesting scriptures. That word provoke, some of your translations say exasperate, means to anger, to rouse, to anger. But guess what? The word anger, where it says don't provoke your children to anger, is the same word in Greek, right? In other words, it is saying fathers, parents, as your children are under your influence and care, are in a place to be loved by you, don't make them angry like you are angry. Don't make them hate like you hate. Don't make them doubt and not love like you doubt and don't love. Don't make them end up being like you in your sin. (laughs) But raise them in the Lord's discipline and instruction. And that's why the scripture mentioned in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. says, honor your mother and father or guardians or caregivers or older brother, sister, aunt, uncle, or familial caregiver. The word honor implies obedience and listening. But more distinctly, that word means give weight to, like proper weight. And others understand how influential the parental role is in your life or the older person familial role. Now that is influential negatively and Positively. 
that if they're not there at all, that absence is heavy. That if they are there and are abusive or allowed you to be abused under their care just because they left you alone with the wrong people in the wrong situations, they put you at risk in their vices or their vices were carelessly allowed to cross your childhood borders like their porn or their drug use or their religious legalism or liberalism or hypocrisy, their alcoholism or workaholism, all of that bad but also the good has had an influence and will have an influence on the people in your family that submit to you and trust you to love them. And the problem is, it is going to directly influence and hurt your future role or present role to be a mother or a wife or an aunt or an uncle or a brother, sister, or grandma who used to be a child or under someone else's care. I don't be too joking here, but one of the best explanations this comes from juvenile, cash money recording rap artist, (laughs) delighting up the mood a little bit. He says, oh, where'd she get her eyes from? She get it from her mama. I left some lines out here, (laughs) including the title of the song. Okay, moving on. Where does she learn how to cook from? She get it from her mama. Or where does she get the looks from? From her mama. Where does she get her class from? She get it from her mama. Where does she learn how to dress? Where does she get her sense from? Where does she get her income? Look, where does she get that walk from? I wonder why she's so crazy. She get it from her mama. Why she want to be my old lady? Why she be acting like that? Sometimes you have to mess up the grammar to get the point, right? She get it from her mama. Why she swears she's the boss? Why she always got to call the law? And why she always having arguments? She get it from her mama. When you don't love your family like you should, You are infecting it with seeds of neglect, hate, and abuse. And it comes through the familial line. What God has made for good because of sin has become bad. When you don't assume the roles God has sovereignly, or or let me say, you can't or forbidden to assume the roles that God has sovereignly placed you in and given for his love to flow and be known, you block and hurt God's design blessings for your family members. Got some bad news for some of y'all. Oh, I know how it feels, especially being a 42-year-old child. Probably a little over it now. It was real bad in the 30s. To recognize this. You're going to be like your parents. Or (laughs) you will struggle not to be like them. Or you will be dysfunctionally working to be anything but them. 
But it all confirms one thing. They've had great influence on you. And you can't escape it. And when I say parents, let me say older brothers or sisters or, or aunts or uncles or grandma or so, whoever raised you in that role. Listen, men, when you run and hide, women, when you let yourselves be overburdened with disappointment, children, when you allow fear and silence to clog the relationship with your parents, aunts and uncles and sisters and brothers, when your life becomes something to protect and promote over and against your family, in-laws, when fear of rejection, blame, and jealousy cloud your minds, parents, when your personal dreams and world stress make you bitter and drained so that there is nothing left but grit and sour push and strain for your children, we cannot and are not loving as we should. And the hard part is we are all guilty for not doing it. We are all in some way perpetrators of family abuse, neglect, and anger, but we at the same time are victims too. We have been hurt and burned out and had the door slammed in our face metaphorically and really we've tried to love and our spouse or sister or in-law or mother has just dissed us and returned what we thought was love with disdain or indifference. And the hard part is that being a victim of sin and family sin does not free us from the responsibility and call to love our family anyway. So let's talk about the impossible. <laughs> How do you love your broken family as a broken person? How do you break, ironically, the broken cycle in your family? Not by running away, and not by giving up, and not by trying in your own strength. I want to offer what I believe the Scripture is offering by realizing your need and your family's need of a heavenly family intervention. You know why you are a father who has a hard time loving his son as he should? Because you were an imperfect son with an imperfect father yourself. You know why you cannot love your spouse like you should? Because you have and are an imperfect, rebellious, and fearful of submission and servant sacrificial leadership spouse, in large part because you have not been shown and loved and led with submissive servant sacrificial leadership. For the mess-ups due to these broken inconsistencies in our family, Micah says this in verse 7. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, and my God will hear me. And then look at the Matthew passage. Let's just look through this, verse chapter 10. Do not think, oh, oh, I was supposed to say this, yeah. So Micah says, I'll wait for the Lord, I'll wait for his, my salvation, my God will hear me. And look how Jesus, 700 years later, eventually answers Micah's prayer of a broken family situation, right? Listen how Jesus answers it. 
Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Thank you, Jesus, for family therapy. You're not going to bring peace. You're going to bring a sword. Great. If I was interviewing family therapists, Jesus would be last on the list with this statement. Could you imagine being a therapist? Let me tell you what I'm going to do. You know, you're all struggling in your families. You know, you got all kind of abuses. You got divorces. You got this. You got that. You know, you don't really talk to your dad. Y'all don't get along. So if you're coming to me, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring a bigger mess. I'm not bringing peace. I'm bringing a sword. Y'all ready? Let's go. I wouldn't pay $85 an hour for that. Oh, honey, I just wouldn't. What is going on here and what is Jesus talking about? Let's go back to this. When it talks about marriage in Ephesians, it is Jesus in the church that is really being talked about, right? When it talks about parents and children in verse 1 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, the real picture, I wish, I wish, I really wish the Apostle Paul, and I know, I know the Holy Spirit wrote, wrote the scripture, but part of me wishes he would have done the same thing he did in chapter 5 at marriage like he does with family in chapter 6 because it's the same thing where he says, you know, I'm talking about marriage, but I'm really talking about Christ in the church. I wish he had said very clearly, I'm talking about family. I'm talking about father and son, but I'm really talking about the relationship between Jesus and his father, right? I, I wish he would have brought the illustration and, 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 and blueprint of his relationship within the Trinity, his relationship with the church down to the family relationships, because here's what's going on. He says the re, what is going on is the real picture of Jesus is the one mentioned in Ephesians 6.1. Jesus, who was the perfect son, obeying his father to death on the cross, and he did it for a father whose love he never doubted and always experienced from him. And it was Jesus who, like verse 4 talks about, loved by the father so much that he allowed himself, his body, his earthly life, and absolute trust of his father God, that he disciplined himself and followed the instruction of, the God, of God the father to death on a cross so that we can have forgiveness and life. Now, here's the interesting thing. This didn't happen in the cosmos out there. It didn't happen as an example or a story for us to look to and say, oh, I wish we could be like that, or, or I wish our marriage could just somehow, if I work hard, or we go to enough marriage counseling, that somehow we'll be like that picture of Jesus in the church, and, and maybe somehow we, if we just work hard or try hard, if you change, right, or if they change, then, then I'll be able to love that person and love my kids and, and love as a father and a mother and a brother and a sister. That is not what is going on here. It is not just an example. Remember, he was a God who came to live, now get this, and grow within the womb of a woman and have an earthly father, Joseph, to be someone's real son and brother and nephew and cousin, right? And that has not changed. God the Father, our Father, sent Jesus' son to cut 
his way into our families, right? To cut his way into our family mess by, by cutting the sinful ties that bind us and putting himself in the middle of all family relationships. Either to come between what is bad and or to redeem them to good. Jesus comes into and for a broken circle of neglect and abuse and superimposes himself, but not just himself, but the perfect relationship between him and the Father that brings salvation to all things, families included. And when he does that, Jesus actually adopts us in and adopts himself out to be a part of our broken families and broken family members, a part of, and he makes us a part of his family, and that changes everything. Jesus shows up to family union and says, give me one of those audacious yellow, purple, green, pink shirts with the family tree on it. And do you see? I want my name on there too. The Bible calls that a kinsman redeemer. Someone who marries into a family with the goal of saving it. Whether it has a husband around or a wife around, or whether there's divorce, or whether there's infighting and bickering, Jesus says, that's my family. Oh, well, that's family. I'm coming in, and what is he bringing in? He's bringing in a perfect heritage, right? The, the relationship between him and his father, that perfect thing. Now, remember how the cycle affects. Honor your mother and father. Why? Because their relationship influences yours. Well, here's what Jesus is saying. I am coming in the circle between every single relationship. I am going to be the brother. I'm going to be the sister. I'm going to be the aunt, the uncle, the father. And what I'm going to do is the relationship that one salvation is going to influence and infect and change your ability to love. Matthew is saying that Jesus comes to stop the sinful cycles and break the family curses. He is actually going to break the ties that bind in bad ways. Matthew is saying that Jesus came to stop us from living at peace and being okay, being abused and having to continue in the messed up family, abusive and neglectful stories of an absentee father or self-consumed mother or lost, long lost sister. We should not live at peace, not loving those who we are called to love in the way the Bible tells us we should. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to let you sleep at night. I'm not going to let you keep walking around. I'm not going to let you keep living in fear. I'm going to make you hate that stuff and begin to love your family rightly. He's come to cut us free from family history and effects of sin and living like sinners toward our family. And as this Matthew scripture says, the love of Christ becomes the new law in your family and not the historical broken 
reoccurring curses that can infect it. The law and power of Christ, love, becomes the family story. So that you can hold your hand up and say, stop. Out of love for Christ and in, doing, in loving Christ, I love you by saying, I hate your behavior and it is not right. That's hard love. But it's freeing. Because until you can say to those who want to hurt you and harm you in a history you got to live with, until you say, in the name of Jesus, I say stop. Or in the name of Jesus, I forgive and we must continue. Things can't go on that way. As those who have a heritage of a heavenly father and a Lord to be fathers or brothers, uncles and sisters who are now cut free from our harmful family and harmful family ways to once again be in and involved with our family in healthy and loving and gospel powerful ways. Remember the reason you're in family? You're a minister of the gospel. You're not there to get your way. Let me, let me say this. You're not there to be right. You're not there to, hey, I, if they don't, I ain't. <laughs> Man, if Jesus did that, we wouldn't be saved. If Jesus did that, guess what? You wouldn't have an opportunity or freedom or power to not do that. Jesus makes a broken family a family again, a redeemed family. There is, no, there is nothing that can happen in the life of your family, whether a broken marriage or, or children that are running wild or, 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 or parents that weren't there or, or anything that can go wrong that the love of Jesus intervening in can't fix. Micah says, I look to the Lord and I wait for his salvation. And you don't have to wait. Salvation has come in Christ. You wait for the effects of it. My mom would literally, I remember, cut herself off in her ineffectiveness to give Jesus room to work through her and for her. I remember these days, I hated it. When we would act up so badly and disrespect her so badly, take advantage of it. She would say, Howard, I give you to the Lord. I'm done. I'm, I, I will begin to despise you and me if I let you continue. I give you to the Lord and his sword. I'm going to give you over to the discipline and instruction of God. Here's the keys. Go on and do what you need to do. Go on out with your friends. 
I'm giving you to the Lord. I wouldn't go. No way. We would even plead, Mama, please. Don't give us to the Lord. Take us back. <laughs> Love your family by giving them to the Lord. That means cutting off your ineffectiveness and allowing Christ to, to recognize, help you recognize your ineffectiveness. Let him break those bonds and reattach them with his power and truth. Give them to the Lord and give yourself to the Lord and begin to love and forgive and respect and trust again. Go and give your family to the Lord and give them the ministry of the Lord. Only those who are freed in Jesus and in Christ alone are free to love our families and not bound to destroy our children and ourselves and live in abuse and be abusive ourselves because Christ is our brother and Savior. And the Lord God is our Father, and he uses and will use you and me to change the story of our family from victims of sin to victors, Christ's love. I want to encourage you, those who are praying, those who are doing their best, who are best in Christ, that is, not their personal best, but turning to Christ and waiting let me, just, let just this be an encouragement to you today. I'm done preaching. I'm just talking as pastor. Let me, be an, let me be an encouragement. Let it be an encouragement to you today. Hang in there. Only as you see yourself being held in the hands of Christ. Some of you have some very hard decisions to make. Some of you will have to tell somebody, Stop. You will have to give someone over to the discipline of the Lord as a loving family member. You can't change them personally. You're going to have to give them to the Lord. Let me encourage you this morning. Christ is powerful. Man, this church, man, we could have a lot of reality TV shows on family. We could make a lot of money. We need to get in touch with Linda Otzenberger. We could make a lot of money. She could get another Emmy. We, we could do it. Not because there's sad endings. Because there are rough stories that Christ has gotten victory in. I want you to find each other. There are people who've been through divorces. There are people who've overcome abuse by parents and cousins and brothers and sisters. There are people who've been forgotten. But there are people who've been adopted and loved and renewed and cared for. To God be the glory. Amen.